Brandon Brands. Hey, it's Rick Steele. Just completed this amazing podcast with Brandon at Brands on Brands on Brands. Listen, if you're an entrepreneur or somebody thinking about becoming an entrepreneur and you want the inside scoop on what works, what doesn't, I don't think there's a better podcast to be following right now. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey, 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 welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands. I'm Brandon Berkmeyer, your personal marketing coach, and I believe that building brands that matter is the only way for a business to thrive tomorrow. Tune in each week as I introduce Introduce you to entrepreneurs and marketing experts that have built brands, that have done the work, that know the tips to give you to help you get there. This week is no exception. I talked to Rick Steele. Rick Steele is an American entrepreneur and founder and CMO of Select Blinds, selectblinds.com. It's an online e-tailer of independently branded window fashion. So the place you go to buy blinds, obviously. This isn't just any e-commerce site. I'm talking this privately held company was founded in 03 by Rick Steele. And he grew it from first first year revenues of 885,000 to over 65 million in just 10 years. It was based in Tempe, Arizona, still is, and is ranked, has been ranked in the Inc. 500 and Inc. 5000 fastest growing companies in America and has done more than just that. The show, what's great, what I love is, you know, tying the media piece into this, right? Uh, he was one of the companies that somehow worked their way into being like one of the, sh- the companies featured when America uh, was watching on TV, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. You guys remember that show? Uh, that like was the phenomenon across the country and everyone wanted to start doing makeovers. Uh, they were featured as, as one of the consistent partners on that show, Delivering Blinds. And he tells us, his story of how he made that happen. Uh, Rick also speaks regularly as a subject matter expert on internet traffic and conversion rates. Uh, he did some, he's presented at Google in 2018. He spoke at Traffic and Conversion in Atlanta in 2017. Uh, so definitely a guy who knows his stuff. And I really enjoyed talking to him today and kind of digging into what motivates him. How do you build a business? How do you pivot? And once you've built it, how do you stay motivated? We get into that and also how to set a good example for your family, for your kids, and how to challenge yourself to grow. So lots in today's episode. Great guy. Excited to get into it today and introduce you guys to Rick Steele. Check it out. Brandon Brand. All right, let's get going. Today, I'm excited for our guest, Rick Steele. First off, before we get into anything, Rick, thank you. Thanks for taking your time out. Thanks for being here today for the show. Of course, Brandon. I'm glad we could find some time to get together. Yeah, that's perfect. And one of the reasons I'm excited is because you've been building, you know, e-commerce businesses before it was cool, before it was easy even. And I'd love to jump right in and ask you how much has changed since you got started. I mean, you founded selectblinds.com in 03. And even before that, you built lowestmortgage.com. I'd love to hear some of those things that maybe we take for granted today that weren't as easy when e-commerce was starting out. Well, oh my gosh, you know, there's so many things that have changed, you know, uh, privacy's changed a lot. You know, we, uh, (laughs) 
in mortgage, we were taking loan applications in 99, 2000, 2001, generating a few billion dollars a month in loan applications and asking people without a secure page to give us their social security number. And everybody did. Oh <laughs> I mean, God. it was a, uh, oh, it, this was like the black hole of like people, I guess, just thought since it's online, it must be, you know, must be legit. I mean, that's not something anybody would do today. But I think, you know, just the amount of trust that was out there, I don't know that we had hacking and all that kind of stuff that we have today um, has changed a lot over over the years. But I believe it's just in general gotten easier for us to to create great brands and great products. Uh, the amount of tools available to us as marketers and as business owners to reach customers and reach them with really relevant messages has changed the game. And you know, I don't want to sell uh, you know blinds or shades to somebody. I can do that specifically to that group of people looking today, you know, on their computers to buy blinds and shades. But we didn't have that 20 years ago. Yeah, and I feel like we have a lot of tools too now. I mean, you could throw a Shopify site up in a day and find some drop shipping from Alibaba and basically build, you know, a, a a company out of that. Not that you're gonna be able to find customers, but we they didn't have any of that back then. You were were you building these sites from scratch? Yeah, we were building them with you know, our very first mortgage site was built with and I and if you go back to the Wayback Machine, you'll see how bad this is. But with lowest mortgage, you know, I built this thing with Microsoft front page ninety-eight. I don't know if you remember this. It's a WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. And it is horrible to look at today. But but then, you know, I would have framed this thing and tried to get it into the Metropolitan Museum of Art because it was just the most beautiful <laughs> thing ever to me, right? But it was those platforms all the way through to, you know, like we have we run on a .NET platform um, at Select Lines. It's all homegrown. What we sell is a little unique in that we sell a custom-made product that has you know, billions and billions of, 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 of different um, SKUs because of all the attributes and colors and sizes and options and features. But I've said this, uh, you know, a lot recently, it seems like I think Shopify is just like game changer for entrepreneurs doing business online, wanting to sell something. I, I just can't imagine anybody wanting to use anything other than Shopify. They've got it dialed in. The back end structure is just great. I mean, they have hundreds of developers working every day to continually to improve that. And, and they've really disrupted this game of, of, of e-com, I think, in a big way to stand, you know, help you stand alongside Amazon and compete with them. Well, and, you know, I do want to talk about your business today. I, I, the reason I like going back in time is because I think we kind of forget that it takes, it, you know, someone had to kind of pave the way and go through this when it was still a little bit more difficult. And, and I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs now are, trying to figure out the next thing that they want to start that isn't out there. So I do like to hear a little bit about like how you, when you're starting that business and you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do, you know, like first, like you're like blinds, like why blinds? Like, where did that come from? Uh, did you pressure test that idea? You know, how did you know that this was the one that you wanted to move forward with? You know, this isn't a very sexy answer. I started with selling Beanie Babies on, on eBay and, you know, <laughs> selling Beanie Babies was a, a product of more than anything. Just it's 1997. You know, there's this thing called eBay. People are selling stuff online. I want to dip my feet and see what this is all about. So I was a you know baseball card collector when I was a kid. I had over a million baseball cards as a kid. Had them stapled to my wall. And what was you know was a hustler, just trading baseball cards, always finding a better value uh, in trading. So when this online thing came uh, about, I had a compact Presario computer with, you know, a 9,600 baud modem dial up. 
and eBay, I wanted to figure this thing out and, you know, went to selling Beanie Babies on eBay, was pretty bad at that. And, but what I was good at was being able to source Beanie Babies and buy them locally. Um, so that uh, translated into me selling, I, I believe, what is some of the very first content online. I printed off this manual and basically just taught people, sold that manual on eBay from my dot matrix printer, taught people how to approach a store owner, have a conversation with them and buy Beanie Babies directly you know, from the source. And then just as like maybe most entrepreneurs journeys that, you know, bred some life into, all right, what's next, you know? So from there, I, I was doing this alongside being a mortgage broker. So I'm selling, be- <laughs> so I'm selling Beanie Babies here, but I'm also a mortgage broker. <laughs> if that tells you how smart some mortgage brokers are, you know? People would have loved that. That that would have been a great personal brand today. They'd be like, I'm the Beanie Baby guy. Oh, they would have been. Houses. Uh, it's so funny. That would have been a big thing. Like I... That would have been a brand that you could have memes on it. It would have been, you know, it would have been a big hit. So we we started this online mortgage company, and you know, we we got really deep into that. We were one of the top two or three players um, in the world of online mortgage. You know, at one time we had every top ranking for home loan refinance mortgage on all the search engines, and you know, it just got to become a little bit too good to be true. So we did this for four years. You know, we're generating billions of dollars in loan loan applications a month. It became a little bit of a, you know, we don't know anything about Wall Street, nothing about mortgage-backed securities, but we just knew that the fact that anybody could get a mortgage, no matter what your credit was, and you didn't even need closing costs, you that didn't seem right. So, you know, it was around that time, 2003, before the mortgage crisis hit, we decided to exit mortgage, put it up for sale, and then find something new. And then the finding something new came very organically. It was a, uh, you know, I was trying to buy blinds for my uh, for my home, we had one specific window. We had a newborn uh, baby, and we had one window that faced east. I wanted to put a blind there because our daughter was waking up early, and I wanted to be able to black the you know black the um, window out. Somebody came out, gave us a quote, and you know just got the quote. There, I thought there's no way blinds cost this much. This is impossible. I think it was like twelve hundred bucks for one window, and immediately you know it's like gears start turning as an entrepreneur. Let me go online and see what this looks like, and then it was just you know. Went online, horrible, you know, representation of what I believed was possible um, with with selling online. And then the very next day, we started Select Blinds. We went and registered a domain name. I think we paid a thousand bucks for the name because we were like, we, we want a good name, you know. Uh, so we paid a thousand bucks for the name, uh, which was probably more money than I had in my checking account at the time, probably. And then um, the mortgage thing wasn't that successful. You hear billions of dollars, but that's just because people. Or submitting loan applications for three hundred thousand, for you know that kind of number, and we started um, blinds in my bedroom, um, and everything kind of originated out of my one uh, my one bedroom house. And you know we're now sixteen years into this game selling blinds. Yeah, when I would think that you know being that that like an entrepreneur that's having ideas every day, like that you would be like, oh, and I have you know a new business this year too, and another new business, and another new business. But this thing must have just really taken off and just pulled you into it, right? It did. Yeah. We, you know, one of the things we did for this business, we didn't really do for mortgages. We kind of looked at it and we said, all right, what's, what's the possibility? What's the market? We, at that time in 2003, we got pretty good at keywords and we were doing a lot of pay-per-click marketing. Like we, we pretty much were, I mean, I think there were clicks that we were spending 20 and $30 a click for mortgage. I mean, so we had to be really good at uh, user experience on site and stuff. So we were good at building a site, but we we're also good at doing some 
you know, through data, looking at the industries and seeing what the possibilities were. So we just saw this industry that had some clicks. It was kind of unique. I mean, one of the things that we wanted to do early on was not compete with, um, even Amazon at the time was becoming somebody. And we thought, you know, one of the, the cool things to do would be to have a website, but then also was only our brand. The only thing we ever sold on that website was our own brand uh, from day one. So we would have some uniqueness and not have to get down in the battlefield with competitors uh, you know, once we knew that would come. So, so yeah, I mean, like it, it's a, I, you know, most entrepreneurs I talk to have this weird, wacky story about how they got into the business that they're in. It, it rarely is that their grandfather's grandfather's grandfather started the company and now they're a fourth generation blinds company. <laughs> it's mine's because, you know, I sold Beanie Babies. Well, and you didn't fall into the Toys R Us issue of of kind of giving everything to Amazon and letting them take your 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 piece of the pie. I love that you're selling your own your own brands only exclusively, and I think that gives you kind of control of your product and your customer. And that's what I what I want to, I'm curious about is, you know, getting people to talk about your brand is hard enough, you know, in general, getting them to be interested because, especially, I mean, no offense, but blinds aren't sexy, and I'm going to just put that out there. That's my opinion. <laughs> just, They're not opinion of one, uh, you know, my wife might think they are, uh, I'm not that, you know, that of that opinion, but how do you keep people interested in talking about this brand? How do you make it interesting for me from a marketing standpoint? That's like, it's not the easier thing to sell. It's not like this get celebrity endorsement sneaker thing, but maybe it is like, what's the, how do you keep it, keep it relevant to your community? You know, so I would say it is, it's more storytelling than anything. It's really and you're right, blinds are not sexy. So there has to be a compelling reason that you're you're meeting with a customer that helps them appreciate that they can be the hero of their, their story, right? And so for us, it's that, you know, kind of like our one-liner is buying blinds, uh, that most people think buying blinds is hard and that select blinds offers window coverings um, that lets you do it yourself. You can be proud of your home and save time and money too. So when most people go to buy blinds, they go to Home Depot or they have somebody in their home they do this because they believe like, this is hard. Like I, you know, I've got to measure and I've got to be able to install, but we've designed all of our products where you can measure your windows in a few seconds. And truly, if you can hang a picture on a wall, you can, you know, fit your blinds in there. Um, we make it that easy. So we make it easy for customers. Therefore, and obviously this, the cost savings and all that stuff come along with that, as you know, with, with the DIY, that's just a staple of DIY. But you know, the story, that's kind of our story. That's our go-to is that we make this easy. We make this fun. And we try to get people a little bit of like the Ikea effect. You know, Ikea has this thing, you know, that it's actually called the Ikea effect, which whereas when you've put together a dresser from Ikea, you believe that that dresser is worth more than you paid for it. You're willing to actually pay more for that because you built it. And that's the sense of empowerment and, and pride we give a customer. Now, I think there's also, I mean, how much of this is skill and luck? And I don't mean that in an offensive way. I mean, you you had this opportunity, you built this thing, which must've been very difficult. And then like, it seems like DIY became a trend. I mean, maybe it was like three, four or five years later, right? But, uh, you know, suddenly they have these home, you know, flip shows and home makeover was huge. And you ended up being on that show. How did that come to be? Yeah, we did 200 straight episodes of Extreme Makeover. Again, very entrepreneurial thing. It was like their second season. They were in Arizona. I showed up on set with uh, like nothing but a business card. You know, I don't know how I talked my way on set, but there was some clever line that got me on set. I started speaking to a producer. You know, she said, I'll get back to you, um, which which basically means I'm never calling you. 
<laughs> but, you know, I said, great. You know, there it is. And the very next week, you say luck. Uh, there's luck. There's absolutely luck, right? You know, people say that luck is time time preparation meets opportunity. Okay, sure. There's also luck, right? <laughs> um, and this was luck. You know, it really was. We showed up, we, we dropped the business card. And then the very next week, you know, we get the call that their main supplier for blinds had dropped the ball two weeks in a row. For them, that was a big thing because blinds are like the very last thing to go in after the house is kind of built up. Blinds go in last and they can't, you know, get on the megaphone and welcome the family home until like everything's right. And when the blinds aren't there, like, you know, everything's delayed. So we basically showed up. And from that day on, we promised them they would never experience that again. You know, we work for free. Basically, we, we donate all the blinds. That translated into like literally the next year, us getting all the logo shots and verbal mentions on the show alongside big brands like Lumber Liquidators and Owens Corning, Corning Fiber and Craftmade Cabinets. We were one of the big seven advertisers that got a logo on the show every week. So those, those clever you know, cameras that would scan by and slow down when they show somebody <laughs> putting a blind up, you know, that was us, right? So, but it was luck, um, but it was also, you know, wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have shown up with a business card and said, you know, we're prepared to do this. Let's go. That doesn't always work out that way. There's, I've dropped a lot of business cards in my life that went into a complete black hole and they'll stay there forever. So it was luck. Yeah. But also taking, knowing that, okay, if I go to these places, like there's, there's some credibility here. If I can build an association with this brand, that's, that's doing something, this could be big. And I, I don't think people think like that, that, you know, the relationships you build and the opportunities you, you chase can be that next thing. And if you just keep putting yourself out there that, you know, that building that credibility is a big part of this. You could build the most beautiful e-commerce store ever, but if no one finds it because you didn't find a way to get in front of them where they care to, you know, put their attention, you've missed it. And the attention was there and you saw the you know, opportunity to walk in and, and make yourself physically present. And some people would be lazy. They'd send an email. You didn't, you showed up, right? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to create your own social proof at the, I mean, like, we, we live in a marketing world where sometimes things can become viral, but it's rare. So for Extreme Makeover was a good example. You know, we just sponsored a, a NASCAR this year, and it's our first year doing this. But I feel the same about NASCAR as I do Extreme Makeover Home Edition in that as a marketer, I'm, I, I'm rarely reliant on the business that Extreme Makeover sends to me or the business that NASCAR sends to me because my logo is on NASCAR. Those things are great. I expect there to be some business from that. Um, where I like to perform is when I'm able to share the NASCAR story with all of my customers, when I'm able to share the home makeover story with all of our customers, because that's social proof. It's like, Hey, guess what? We're not in a trailer. We're a real company with a lot of employees doing a lot of business. And when you can add these big, you know, um, things to your business, you know, you're able to convert more of that traffic that's already coming to you. So for us, it's about converting more of the traffic and convincing these people that we're a real company versus, you know, in Stream Makeover Home Edition, that logo pops up and it's there for one billionth of a second. <laughs> and in the show credits, I mean, you can't even stop your TiVo fast enough to actually see, see our name in the credits because it's going so fast. So truly, this is just about the social proof it creates. And as marketers, it's up for us to create that. Yeah. I mean, and this is back bef before you would just take a selfie with the guy from the show and be like, no, look, we were together. We were, you know, that, that's <laughs> my social proof. You actually had to do the work to, to get on the show. Uh, I, was, I was on the show with so many like country music stars or real famous actors. I'm standing right next to them. 
And if there were Instagram, could I my my feed would be hey, here I am with Morgan Freeman. Here I am with you know uh, Cheryl Crow. <laughs> you know there were so many of these people I was around that it didn't even make sense to get pictures. So it's probably, it's probably better that it wasn't. You'd be before you know it, like sitting on the the wing of a of a private jet, you know, taking taking selfies that you'd be embarrassed about later. <laughs> right, be so embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to hear a little bit about like the like running a real business uh, that you know at this level. Like I'm sure there were some big wins, some big losses along the way. But from a, like a marketing and branding standpoint, were there parts that were like, man, this is, this is, we're plateauing here. Like, how do we get more attention? Oh, sure. We made some big mistakes in, in our company's history. I mean, we had, you know, four straight years of 100% growth year over year. And this is when we're doing, you know, three, five, $10 million experiencing, you know, 100% growth. Um, and then, you know, we made some, we took some chances and some initiatives. Um, I don't want to name them, but like, you know, one of them example was like, you know, we took on like the entire blinds industry. And I mean, this $8 billion industry and said, we are the very first company to be all cordless. Every product that we sell is available in cordless only. And it was to save kids' lives, you know, like 12 kids a year die because they hang on a blind cord. And we said, enough of it. Like we, we are going to take this on. So we got way out ahead of this and it cost us a lot of money to both make these changes, but then also a lot of plateauing because we became a company that couldn't sell to everybody now. So we actually couldn't sell to most people. So we realized about a year into this, we had to make a pivot because there are just some, you know, some applications that need a cord, you know, handicap accessible businesses, all this kind of stuff, right? Um, So we had to pivot to becoming and we still are the only company on planet Earth that offers every product in cordless, available in cordless for child safety. So we're proud of that. But it was a, um, you know, we didn't look at the data. We didn't make really smart choices there three or four years ago. And it cost us like a year of growth. Looking back, we're glad we made it because we have completely changed this entire industry. We had uh, legislation that happened in um, December of last year that put mandates on all blinds. And so we believe it was because of that step we took. I went and spoke at Harvard at this. My business partner spoke at the Consumer Product Safety Commission. You know, it's that type of thing. It looks like you're on a (laughs) C-SPAN. And, you know, we just put it all out there and laid it all on the line. And we're glad that we did, but it was costly. But it it was something that we, you know, we are definitely glad we did. Well, I love the idea of having values that you can stand behind as a company that that you can believe in. And I, I saw the Harvard speech and you even talked about like how many cleats you've given away, which are the things you can wrap the string around. If you have to not buy cordless, you can still have a solution that keeps your kids safe. I love that as a dad of a, a six-year-old and a, and a three-year-old, like anything that keeps the kids safe, that that is avoidable, I'm all about it. And you've gone, I'd say beyond that. I mean, you've done a lot of cherry work over time. I know you like to, don't like to toot your own horn. Uh, but it wasn't just that. I mean, from, from you promoted kid safety around the house. I've seen your pages and pages of tips on like the things that you can do around your home to to keep your kids safe from, you know, keeping things like uh, fastened to the walls to uh, all the different like, I mean, there's pages and pages of it. And I'll put the, the link to that in the show notes if yeah, you want to cool. find Thank it. Uh, and even like the health related charities, you've gotten into some of that too. Just uh, A, I appreciate the work that, that you think about that as someone in a, in a business who doesn't have to. I appreciate that you've led the way there. But I do want to say, uh, you got into some of this stuff pretty early on. And to your point, you might even like into your detriment a little bit. What was the motivation? Like, why, where does that come from for you that you're like, no, we have to do this? This probably came a few years after Blinds, three, uh, probably five or 2005 or 2006. 
I just knew being in e-commerce long enough, I just knew how big Amazon was going to become. And I was like, this, this train is not like, I don't care how profitable they are right now. They're acquiring customers at an alarming rate. Like I'm, even then I was doing all of my purchasing on Amazon. And I just knew that if I was going to be online selling something, it had to be, we had to stick to our guns and it had to be direct to consumer, our own product. You can only buy it here because I knew that battling Amazon was a losing game. We actually tried this. We had a, we had a company in the betting industry, horrible domain name, betting.com. <laughs> we spent a lot of money for it and it was selling SKU based products. Drop, you know, we drop ship from customers. We tried this and it failed horribly, but it was mainly because we were competing with Amazon and it, it, and this was just even, you know, several years ago, it, you know, it, it was that notion that if we're going to be in this game, we have to be unique and we have to be willing to um, address the, the stuff that we know. Uh, there's no way that we have a chance of winning a battle. So like battling Amazon in their game on their playing field is very tough. So what can you do? Well, you can drive a lot of customers to your own website, selling your own brand, um, one of the things that we do that we're very proud of is we've asked every customer since 2000, I think in 2008 to review us openly online, good or bad. We've said, if your experience is bad, please click here and go review us on Google with your one-star review. I mean, like literally that open. And what that does uh, over time now is generated, last I heard, we were a top 10 reviewed brand online, any brand, not blinds. We have over 300,000 reviews of our company. But it's allowed us to be a very transparent social company and let customers see that, hey, not every customer loves us. We don't have all five-star reviews. But what we do have is this social proof of, uh, of the crowd coming together saying um, dominantly they love what we have to offer. And that was also different because, you know, with, with, Am with Amazon, you know, I don't know how much Amazon shopping you do. But, like, if it's highly reviewed and high sales, it goes right to the top. You know, so we wanted to be also that company in our field online where we had a lot of social proof, we had a unique product, and then that was going to be our you know, competitive way we battled Amazon. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people worry about, you know, how do I come up with creative? How do I come up with a, a commercial that you know, tells my story? But a lot of the time, the assets we have are right in front of us, right? I mean, the customer testimonials are huge and making it easy for them to do that's huge. But also like anything you have around like, the, the day in the life of the, your business, the behind the scenes, the how things are made, all that these days are now like the expectation. Like if you have to be transparent. So getting ahead of that is number one. But for the entrepreneurs out there, what I encourage them to do is say, you know, do what you can to be, to be documenting everything you're doing and encouraging your customers to be a part of that process. How do you get feedback? How do you collect your customer information so you know how to, you can keep making your products better? That's something I imagine you guys take pretty seriously. We do. Yeah. And speaking about the ads, you know, what, what we, you know, you're right. So true that marketers think it's like the jingle or the ad that they wrote is that how they drive traffic or market. And it's, it's, it's as simple as just addressing what their pain point and their problem is. What is the problem a customer has? And with our customers, it's the problem is this costs too much. I have to have an in-home designer come in because I can't do it. Well, you know, the answer to that, whatever ad, whatever jingle, whatever it is you want to create is that blinds don't cost that much. It's not hard and you can do it, right? But getting to the reviews, that's how we address it. You know, one of the things that reviews do is um, it not only gives you some social proof, but it also gives you a platform to either succeed or fail on. When you ask every customer, tell us about your experience, good or bad, um, they will tell you good or bad what you're doing wrong. And if you continually see from your customers' uh, responses that you're doing this poorly, you're doing this poorly, you're doing this poorly, 
you truly deserve to just wind it down, close up shop, go do something else, go out of business if you can't fix that. A customer said, this is a problem and that's all business is, that's all marketing is, is solving a problem. It's just solving a problem. And if you can't solve the problem, get out of the, go do something else. Right. What I heard you, from what I, my research, I heard that you did learn the hard way on that one. In other words, you tried to outsource for a little bit, right? And then you had to bring it back. We did. You know, we tried outsourcing customer service a long time ago. <laughs> it was, uh, I don't know why we did this. I'm glad you brought up that failure. That's not one I, I even remember now. I'm sorry. <laughs> but no, it was, it's good. It's actually, I'm doing some videos later today about the scaling program I'm, uh, I'm doing. And that'll be a great topic to talk about. Because at the end of the day, you know, only outsource to like automation and products that you know will make your life better. And then when we did this, you know, I don't know what uh, delusion we had that made us believe that having a call center in Iowa talking to our customers about products that they didn't know anything about, you know, the, the call center could be good for us. I have no idea why, <laughs> why we did that, but we did. Um, it, there was probably some cost savings or th there might have been some efficiency, you know, things running in our head at the time, but it didn't last long. We got out of it. We immediately brought it back in when we realized it was a complete disaster. And so I think that that pivot happened pretty quickly, even over the course of just months. And it, I don't think it even took a year so. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people were doing that. I mean, even like taking it out of the country a lot of the time and, you know, the, uh, just the temptation of like, well, let's keep making our business better and more efficient. You know, I, I see the value at first, but the, I like to to hear that you like you realize that you lost the control of the of the customer voice in hearing like what you could be changing, and I think that's that a lot of entrepreneurs can learn from that. That's why I wanted to bring that up. And since I since I've already made it a little painful on accident, uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you a question uh, in 2017, uh, and because I don't know, like I couldn't figure out like the the story here, and I, I got curious, and I, I let my curiosity lead me in these interviews. You got into, you know, you do some speaking. Uh, you started to do a little bit back then. Uh, you wrote uh, a book and you were writing in a different couple places. Uh, your book, by the way, was called 30 Days to Launch an Entrepreneur's Diary to Building a Billion Dollar Business. Uh, I wanted to hear like what motivated you to write that. But, in, in, but before that, because, you know, like why, why give away your secrets? But before that, this kind of personal brand stuff or reputation stuff, uh, it seems like you started to put yourself out there a little bit more in 2017, from what I could tell. I was guessing that's maybe because of the book launch and it was kind of tied to that. Uh, but then you kind of stopped focusing on that and maybe you had to get back to the business. But like, what's your thoughts on personal branding in general? And then we'll get into like why you wrote the book. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of it was in alignment with the book. I wrote the book. Um, that's a really easy answer, right? So I have, I, over time, you get a lot of people coming to you asking you these questions. And what I did was very rudimentary, very easy. Um, but it was a lot of very, very, very simple steps. I mean, so there's like this, this, these thousands of simple steps. And so when somebody comes to you with like this generic question about LLC versus S Corp or da -da -da, logo before the, you know, the, the horse, <laughs> you believe you can be influential, at least in their lives at just getting them into the work, getting them into just doing some simple stuff that adds up over time. And then what they might have over the, uh, the course of maybe 30 days is with some built-in coaching in the book is a really bad business that's making no money, but they've lost some excuses. They, 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 they no longer have the excuses. They have a business and they now get to really decide like, uh, do I get to, do I want to be an entrepreneur? I kind of, this has been a battle these last 30 days. So that was really the reason, you know, I, I like to say it was like, I have this cousin that, that would text me every quarter with like the most 
crazy question, which was like, Rick, how do you do a logo? And I'm like, Oh my God, what, uh, what am I? Uh, okay. <laughs> so I, I, w- I want to put something together that would, cause I remember being in that position, wondering these things for myself, right? It just doesn't seem too long ago. So I want to put something down that was uh, quick bite-sized chapters let them get into some Q&A at the end, like maybe maybe help me kick their butt a little bit uh, as a coach on the book, um, but um, be, a, be a guidebook for them to do it. And, I, you know, I don't know, 2017, everybody was writing a book. You had to write a book. So I was like, that's actually not the reason. The, the reason was really legacy, family legacy. You know, it's like I, I had a lot of content that I had started writing off-site, and I wanted to put it down, you know, get it published, um, do that kind of stuff. And then, you know, maybe... If I'm not around, you know, a few years from now, my kids, you know, can pick the book up and say, you know, well, that that's the method to dad's madness on how he started his business. So that was, they could pick something up and see that. So that was really the big reason. And then it's, you know, we've sold a few thousand. I mean, it hasn't been a massive seller, but we think we've sold 30,000 copies of the book. So it's, it's not a New York Times bestseller and it's never going to be because that's not what I ever desired for that thing to be. So. Yeah, I think most people don't like sell books these days to to make the, you know, the bestseller list. It's more like just get it recognized on Amazon and then you can use it as a utility for whatever else you want to do. You know, it's like yeah. It's 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 a big enough endeavor to to write a book that the alone the credibility of it is is the value half the time. And most coaches and whatnot write a book just so they can say, "Yeah, I coach on that. I wrote the book." You know. Yeah. It's like Well, yeah, it's the authority for sure. I mean, I think also for me it was, it was a you know, along that time, 2015, 2016, I started doing some really deep personal work. And by a lot of people's standards at that time, I was very successful. I had a business doing a lot of, you know, doing a lot of business and, you know, I had the cars, had the houses and everything, but I didn't feel successful personally with my family, my fitness and all that stuff. So a lot of this was also just taking on big challenges. I mean, it's, it's like the reason I go out and swim Alcatraz or do Ironman and, or big, big things coming up. But if I know I can't do them today and I can build a pretty decent why around why I want to do them, if I know it's, if it's going to help me grow as a man and as a dad, as a, as a husband, then I want to do it. And the book was something like, I'm, I hate writing content. I'm horrible at it. So that's why I had to dive into it. That's why I had to get in and do it because I'm, I'm poor at it. it. It challenged me to become somewhat of a writer and do some things I didn't believe were possible even the le- the days before. So I think that's also maybe the, the the biggest reason why. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I do love that you you're taking on some really interesting challenges as well. I, someone told me once, like if you you know like either be someone who's you know, a person of influence or a person of interest. And I definitely think you're you're leading an interesting life beyond having done these amazing things. You're still challenging yourself to grow and and even like physically and mentally and, and spiritually and everything else. Uh, I saw that. I think it was uh, it was. Uh, What's that hike that was like across the canyon in... Uh, it's a Grand Canada. Canyon. Yeah. Rim to rim to rim. That's, yeah. Grand, yeah. I was like, that just seemed like taking on... Like, I can't even imagine how much physically that would take out of me to want to do something like that. <laughs> uh, but challenging yourself, it seems like it's part and parcel to your, your core, like taking on bigger challenges. Uh, what is the, kind of the next big audacious goal for you? What's, what's you? what is coming into your world these days? Well, this year we've got Ironman's number nine, 10, 11 coming up. We have six of them this year. So three are done, but the big one coming up, I haven't, you know, this could be like, let's call it the world release on podcasts. Um, it literally just something I, I, um, have agreed to and we're getting structured right now for February of next year, but I'll be doing seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. So, 
um, starts at Antarctica and then moves around the world. And we do, you know, seven marathons in seven days and seven continents. So that's a big one. Um, I've become an, an endurance athlete over the last couple of years, but the idea of running 180 miles um, and doing seven marathons in seven days is uh, in different temperatures was like something that just kind of blew my mind when I, a friend of mine this last weekend was telling me she did it. And I was like, all right, I can, I'm doing it. I'm in. <laughs> so we'll talk to the wife, talk to the kids. We're going to build some big charity around this and some promotion for the company. But, um, you, you know, I, I think there's, um, you know, some lessons in that I can build for myself and for my family about, again, if you believe it, it's possible, like just go out and put some reps in and do it. So, um, so that's the big, you, you know, goal coming up in the next six months or seven months, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that you're setting a good example out there. Are, do you, how do you get the family involved? Are they cheering you on at the things that they can be like, how are they, uh, or are they just like, that's crazy dad doing his thing? Yeah, no, it, it's all my kids are crazy. My, my, my six-year-old son's a motocrosser. He skateboards and motocrosses. Um, he's doing stuff like on a motorcycle. Like I can't even imagine, but a lot of it's <laughs> through, you know, he sees his mom, you know, mom and dad are both, you know, a little nuts when it comes to, um, just attacking life. So. I rarely tell my kids to do anything more. They just, it's, they learn through osmosis and see, I do all this for, I do all this through them. Like this doesn't give you a six pack or I mean, none of this, it, it gets you fit, but you can get fit just by going to the gym every day and, you know, doing that kind of stuff. So for me, it's the example I'm setting that, you know, dive into adversity, dive into doing hard stuff, purposely put yourself into adversity because if I can look back on my history, you know, my mom was hit by a car in 1979. We lived in a trailer. Everything that's happened to me in my life has come through adversity. And it wasn't purposeful adversity, but I was tossed in it. I was in it. So I believe that like nothing good comes from just being comfortable. I, I believe that everything you learn, everything that you, you know, especially learn about yourself comes from the times when you are in something that sucks, that tells you, you know, your, your mind's telling you, you want to quit. And that's not just physical. I mean, that's some spiritual stuff and that's some, you know, hard conversations you want to have with a loved one or whatever it is, you know, person you have to fire <laughs> in a business, all of that learning comes when, you know, you're, you're attacking some stuff that you don't want to do that are hard. So the, the basis behind the general thesis behind all of that is that if it's hard and I believe it's not something I can do, I want to, I want to learn more. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that's that's one of those muscles you can build to help you push through what's hard. I mean, even in the book, you like day 25 is like a 30-day kind of organization of the book. Day 25, it's like overcome obstacles and learn how to pivot. I'm like, that's easy to say, but how do you actually prepare yourself to do that and to take on those difficult situations? What are the things? And you do dive into some of the physical things you can do along the way. I like being I like being the uh, like a parent contradictory frame because the simplest things in life are simple, but if you when you explore them, they actually aren't that simple. That you, and I like to even look at the opposite of what I just believe was simple. And sometimes I believe that like that's even more true than what I just believe was simple. <laughs> so this like apparent contradiction frame is something I'm I'm constantly trying to tackle and see if it's it might be true. So yeah. Well, I, I think you've you've done a great job of it. And I think there's something about pushing your limits to like, to say, you know, just do one extra step. I have a buddy of mine, I'll share this with you before, because we're about to wrap up here. Uh, but I think that you're the same kind of guy. 
uh, his dad had always told him like, you know, we're going to run this race and you have to take, you know, run the extra, the extra mile or take the extra 10 steps or do the extra rep in the gym or whatever. There's always one extra thing. And I'll tell you what, when he, one of the stories he shared that was personal to him was, uh, you know, he had some trouble in his life and had contemplating taking his own life. And when he got to that precipice, the voice in his head was his father who, who had been telling him that whole life, just take that extra step, just push a little further. And I think when you set an example like that as a father, as someone who's setting these examples and taking on these marathons and these challenges, you're teaching this to your kids that things will get hard, but you should push through because the rewards are there. And just the challenge alone is not something that's going to take, take you down. So I think you're setting a great example. I've had a pleasure talking to you today, man. Uh, anything you want to leave, leave our, our audience with today? No, I would just say, you know, we, you know, it's like our family, we have a, we have an ethos that we live by and I may have, you know, brainwashed my kids into this, but that they're, they're on board. Right. <laughs> and you know, it's, it's, it's like, what are you willing to die for? Like, what, why are we here? Well, I think we're here to expand. We're here to grow. And, you know, again, we just said it growing through doing hard things is, uh, where all the learnings at, where all the, I think fun is like none of, you know, training with Navy SEALs, that, that doesn't sound like fun, but it's fun. Come on. Yeah. You want to do it. You know, you want to do it. Right. Um, and being tossed, tossing yourself into some adversity is, um, and like, just for me, it's like the icing on the cake. Love it, man. Uh, and where can everyone find you if they want to see what you're up to these days, what's a good place to get a hold of you? Yeah. So, you know, on, on social, it's, it's a uh, Rick Steele official on Instagram. If you click that follow button, then you'll be one more person that will get to um, fuel my dopamine of seeing people that like my post. (laughs) 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 But but my business is Select Blinds, of course. And then also my email. You know, if you want to reach me via email, I'm Rick at Select Blinds. Um, I love just hearing entrepreneur stories. And um, I don't have an assistant answering any of my questions. I answer all my emails. So if it's a relevant question that I can, you know, help you out with in your entrepreneurial journey, I'd, I'd love to do it. Look at that. The offer is out there, guys. Feel free to reach out. Uh, definitely give him a follow at Rick Steele Official on Instagram and see what he's up to. Get motivated. Maybe it motivates you to, to do something you've been wanting to do this whole time. Uh, selectblinds.com, obviously, if you have that need in your home, it sounds like a very easy and convenient way to do it. Rick, thanks for your time today, man. It's been a blast. Appreciate you. Yes. Thanks, Brandon. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. Head over to brandandbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandandbrands.com.